welcome to a very special Gallifrey Stand and Ray Trek. We're crossing the crossing the streams today, Elliot. Yeah, definitely. But we've been to a really exciting event all weekend. Well, uh, let's introduce ourselves. Anyway. I I am Doctor Squee. Uh, with me as always is Doctor Who, and uh, j- joining us for this kind of crossover, like Admiral Elliot. Admiral Elliot. So yeah, I I I don't know how to do this. This is a bit weird. Y- like it's uh, <laughs> yeah, we haven't done this before, but I'm sure it'll work. Yeah. So for anyone who uh, is listening on the Gallifrey Stand stream, uh, I started off Retrek uh, with Elliot and James and uh, Nicola as part of Squeefest, which we did a little while back. Yeah, that was good fun. And now it's kind of gone into its own thing. I, I we were on the first few episodes. Now it's Elliot. Yeah, and James it's, it's normally me and James. Uh, James isn't with us this weekend. He's very jealous. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to make him even more jealous when I actually see him and tell him all about it. <laughs> and for anyone listening on Retrek, this is what I like. My Doctor Who show is basically that we're crossing over with. So uh, it's going to be the same content. So like Krypton Radio is going to be sick of us by the end of this because it's going to go up four times. Yeah. Yeah. Between the two streams. Uh, it's going to be the same thing, just with different team shooting on the front. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, 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 we went off to Sci-Fi Ball, which yeah. is a, a very special event always for Gallifrey Stands because it's the first one we went to. And I'm the first one Retrix. It's the to. first one we've been invited to. And very nice of them to invite us down for the weekend. How was it doing some, uh, some interviews? Uh, it was really good fun. It's the first time I've ever done anything like that. And it was just great to have that time with the, actually the celebrities one-on-one, asking them what we wanted to ask them. It was great fun. So, again, if anyone's listening on the Gallifrey Stand stream, this is the uh, Star Trek special. that, Like, I usually do a Star Trek special from Sci-Fi Ball. This time it's a Retrek special. <laughs> it's it's going to be a yearly Retrek special now, I guess. Yeah, we had a couple... There, were, there was definitely a couple of guests there who were... Star Trek. Yeah, and uh, we're going to do, uh, we're, we're going to introduce in a second the guests which we're going to have this week, but uh, coming up in a future week soon, we're also going to have a special on Dark Sublime, and uh, what is that, Elliot? Dark Sublime is a new play starring Marina Sirtis. It's limited uh, accessibility, only six weeks it's going to be on, and they only have 100 seats for showing. It's very intimate. Yeah, I mean, look it up now. It's uh, Andrew Keats who uh, sorts out the guests and uh, wrangles the press like us at the uh, uh, sci-fi ball is directing it it's it's a, a play about a kind of someone who has been in the sci-fi show back in the uh, I, I, he said it was based on someone in the 70s but I don't know if it's in the 70s but in the past has been in a sci-fi show called the dark sublime and her life now and I guess after all that kind of you know but it's it's not just about the sci-fi it's about love and loss and all that uh, awesome stuff Please look it up and book your tickets now. And we'll do a special show later. We've got an interview with Andrew, and we might just be having a little chat with Marina later. Yeah, we hope so. Yeah, uh, so Andrew's, Andrew's hooking us up there, shall we say. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, Elliot, who did we speak to this week? Uh, we ha- we've got Robert Duncan McNeil, obviously Tom Paris, the pilot of Voyager. Excellent. Got us all home. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Which uh, you were saying you were in a conversation online about the fact that he cheated because he used too many wormholes. Yes, somebody's trying to say that he, he cheated using wormholes. They didn't actually drive all the way. I don't know. It's kind of it's, it's, it's an, it is an argument. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, who else have we talked to? And we also had uh, Gigi Edgley, who uh, she's probably better known for Farscape, but she has uh, recently been in an episode of Star Trek Continues. Yeah. I don't know if anyone watches that, but it's probably without doubt the best fan production of Star Trek yeah. that's 
very professional. Being done. It's very, very professional. It looks like the original series. It's basically the fourth season of the original yeah. series that we never got. Yeah, so she tells us all about that. And uh, we also, we're going to kick off things in a moment with a chat which we had with the directors of Sci-Fi 4. They tell us all about the event. It's the 25th year. So they, they tell us about the journey of it and the fantastic chari- charity, the Teenage Cancer Trust, which you should donate to now, uh, which they do these for in, in support of. Yeah. And so it raises loads of money. It keeps the lights on for that uh, wonderful charity. And uh, we've also got a couple of highlights. So we, we did these one-on-one talks, and then we got highlights from the panel with Robert Duncan McNeil and uh, with Gigi Edgley, who talks about a new fi- uh, yeah, film. She, yeah, she we saw, saw the, the premiere Yeah, of. we saw the world premiere of Hashtag. Which was awesome. Yeah, it's just it's, like, it's a little short, but uh, you know, it sounds like what they're trying to do is like uh, pitch it to either be a series or a movie, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a nice little calling card. Let's just say. Yeah, it was. Without giving anything away, it's basically set in a world where uh, you know, you you live to to be a celebrity to kind of like put yourself online. You're famous for for being famous online. Yeah, and this <laughs> this person who Gigi plays is is sort of trapped in that life shall we say and uh, you know, then, then there's a little twist which we won't give away but uh, p- please do check out the details of that online as well but it's going to be a real packed show uh, we, we yeah. had a great time we've had a great weekend so uh, <laughs> we're going to hand you over now to it's Anne and uh, Brett who are the directors from Sci-Fi Ball and then we're going to go into the interview please enjoy this week's show <laughs> This is my first time at the Sci-Fi Ball, so Tony, thank you for having me here. Oh, oh pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm really enjoying it so far. Really, that's me, great. We did think this is my, also my first time as guest at an event, uh-huh. so okay. it's been really different to see it from this side, and mm-hmm. really never. It's been a very different day to my normal con, <laughs> sat on All the chair right. just watching. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the whole point. We like to give people. A whole experience, yeah. if yes. you like. It's not yeah. just about getting your autographs. It's not just about shopping. Yeah. It's yeah. about talking to people. It's about seeing really cool merchandise. It's about being able to sit and watch Trek. It's about being able to talk to authors or talk to any of our Absolutely. Uh, signers yeah. or basically yeah. meet up with their friends who they haven't seen for six months. That's the whole point. And this is all down to Annie's ethos about making it a family, making yeah. it inclusive. And well done for doing that. Thank you so much. <laughs> something with uh, like uh, a chat with uh, uh, young Andrew who works with you. Uh, yes, uh, we are uh, familiar with him. Yeah, it'll be um, coming out in a, a future show uh, called Not Quite the Time. But something which he brought up, which is kind of, uh, I think that's what this event needs to me is like something like everyone getting included. Mm. And Absolutely. Uh, it, it, like you know, the, the first podcast I did, like uh, the show for my podcast, mm-hmm. I did, and it just seems like everyone gets a voice in it. Absolutely, and that was always my intention. It is an inclusive event, and it doesn't matter what your background, culture, what your persuasion is, you are included here. Everybody has a right to be who they are, and everybody is comfortable here with that, you know, so, and that was how I always set it out to be. She is the great bird of the (laughs) sci-fi ball, aren't you? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) When do we start building the statues? Well, I'm thinking of putting her up for an MBE at the very least. You oh, know. no. Oh, I think you should be, you know, no. 25 years of raising all this money for charity. I think that's definitely something you yeah. should look at because it is a milestone achievement. 
Yeah, it should be. It together, mm-hmm. No, but it, it is from you that all this has come. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you saying, how hard could it be? That <laughs> classic <laughs> phrase. <laughs> well, there, that is true. How hard can it be? And quite honestly, as you know, when we started at university and we opened the wing of the university for a club um, at that time, we started getting three to 400 people a month. And it, so running a convention really wasn't that much of a step as far as I was concerned. No, until it started really hitting the bones about 10 years in and suddenly yeah. it's like, oh, four days and you've had seven hours sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that starts yeah, getting hard then. It does. It, it, and as you get older, it gets harder. But we're much more organised, you know, experience comes, it starts to run itself almost in a way because we have formats and we have such a wonderful team of over 60 people um, who are so loyal and so hard working I mean they're all volunteers and we do it for the teenage cancer trust and it, and, and we just have fun yeah that's why we do it so we can yeah. meet up and have as much fun as we can pack into the yeah, whole event absolutely I mean the number of people who've come up to me this weekend and said it felt like coming home when you come to the hotel, you're home, yeah. and it's back in the family, and you see people all meeting up and hugging and you know going for a drink at the bar and huge groups of them, and, and it's lovely. Which is why Sunday yeah. night is so tragic, because no one wants it to end. They no, do not no, want no. the party to finish no. at one o'clock in the morning, because A, they know they're going to really hurt in the morning, but <laughs> because they don't want to leave this bubble that we have created, you know, it's of this universe. It's convention blues. It's a real thing. Yeah. I, 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 if anything, just feel more connected. It's like, it's like for me, this is my hometown again because I'm from Southampton. Mm-hmm. Okay. I started yeah. from Bournemouth. Yeah. As long as I've known, it's been here in Southampton. Yeah. So I just sure. want to thank you for bringing some of these people to my town now. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, for me, the, the, the big event of last year was the throwable microphone. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, Which is wasn't genius, it? By the way. Yes, isn't it? What's the big innovation this year? <laughs> well, the horror channel screening yes, room. Yes, yes, wonderful. Because um, we set up a sort of like feedback thing earlier in the year to find out what people actually wanted to do, and the one thing they wanted to do was just be able to sit and watch television episodes again. Because in the original days of conventions, mm. people just went to watch the latest episodes because there was no internet, there was no streaming service or anything like that. So to be able to have a screening room where you can just go in, lie on these beautiful cushions and just watch Star Trek to your heart's content Yep, Fabulous. that's as cool as it can be. I really wish I wasn't quite so busy. I'd be in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, we used to have video rooms in the old days and and they ran 24 hours and you find people asleep under the chairs, you know, that kind of thing. It was great fun. Yeah. And there's nothing like having a huge room full of people who are fans watching a new episode and they're all cheering or going, (gasps) or, you know, they all do it together. And it it just, it just enlivens the whole experience. It's great. Yeah. It really is. So it was nice to have that offer. Yeah. And creation. It's so cool. It's so cool. And it's very cool. Yeah, I mean, so it's going to return to very full circle to me. Like Andrew was mentioning earlier about coming to con- coming to the area ball from our beach for the weekend. Yes, that's our yeah. family. And for me, uh, a couple of us. But for me, like it's I, my first meeting of anyone from any genre mm. that from Doctor Who was uh, John Pertwee. I sat on his lap as, as a baby, and I got to show the picture to Sean Pertwee today. Oh, oh wow! So like, whereas like John probably would have been the guest at something like <laughs> yes, this. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Like, really just going nice on it. It's just. It's incredible how kind of the whole uh, generations go up around it. Absolutely, mm. yeah. 
And we have our own children throughout um, that have grown up from the ball. Um, and yes. we have students now and joining us students, from yes, Bournemouth University experience. and Southampton coming up and, and hopefully joining them because, yeah. well, you know, once they've done it once, we actually own them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that dark contract you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think oh, we have Oh, by the way, you didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, and finally, just of course, there's the charity. It's about like, you know, what's the uh, latest with the charity and all the money you've raised? And, uh, well, Teenage Cancer Trust, as you know, has been our um, cause for the last nine, ten years. And um, we have raised just over 50, more than £50,000. Um, and so this year, hopefully, we're going to add a good amount to that. Because, as you know, yeah. it takes £1,000 a day to run the unit. Sure. Yes. So we want to run as many days as possible from the profits of this show. Yeah. That's the idea. And one of the other innovations that we have brought in this year is live streaming. We're testing it out this year, um, asking for donations. And next year, if it's successful, which we think it will be, um, we're going to be running uh, live streams next year. So people who can't come can actually experience the event at a distance for a, a, a cost which will go towards the Teenage Cancer Trust. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant the way the technology has enabled so much. Just, oh, I mean, not huge. only with this event, but also actually with the uh, Teenage Cancer Trust, the way the things they can do now. Absolutely, it's yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, so mm. um, yeah, all we can say is um, we've got so much more to offer these days because. We learn and we change everything every Absolutely. year. Um, and this year we've got the second stage where people are doing uh, intimate talks. Yes. We've got authors, we've got um, CG artists, we've got some of our actors doing talks. We've got um, some theatrical producers coming up and talking how they put on plays. So the whole point is you've got two different experiences. We've got the main stage where we have some of the, the actors and then we have the second stage, the Horror Channel stage, where people can really get intimate yeah, yes. and ask those you know burning questions it's, and it's worked really well this mm. weekend we're so pleased with it so either in person or soon to be online come and get intimate with these guys <laughs> <laughs> for a fee for a fee, for a fee. <laughs> and in the best possible taste for charity absolutely <laughs> thank you very much thank oh, you. it's a pleasure thank you Uh, so how are you finding Southampton? Welcome to our fair city. Yes, thank you. It's lovely here. The weather is kind of nice. I didn't expect it to be so sunny and warm. It's kind of sunny and warm out there. Well, it wasn't last week. <laughs> it's, it's a much better week. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> and uh, like, just to start with, if you'd like to tell us about kind of going to something like this event, and if you could address your comments and my girlfriend Nicola, who can make she's offered a cruise, it'd be lovely to wind you up. <laughs> <laughs> How wonderful is it being at the Sci-Fi Ball this weekend? <laughs> it's wonderful being here. It really is. Uh, no, I, I love events like this that are trying to raise money for, for you know, a, a noble cause and to help people. It's one of the things I love about Star Trek is it brings people together to, to kind of focus on values and the things that we have in common, uh, you know, not our differences and things that we all care about and getting together to raise money for children's charities and things like that is, is amazing. It's wonderful. Excuse so, me. Yeah. Uh, can I take you back to one of your earlier jobs in uh, Quantum Leap? I'm just oh, a yeah, fan sure. of like, uh, so what was it like oh, uh, wow, that your first uh, meeting with Scott Bakula? That was my first meeting with Scott Bakula. He made a big impression on me. Um, that was a lot of fun, that show. I... Uh, I didn't love my performance in that show. I mean, it, it was an odd sort of mystery, you know, about 
who mur who killed this girl, and there was a lesbian story storyline. You know, uh, I had a, as I recall in that story, the girl I was in love with was turned up dead in a lake or something, and Scott Bakula was trying to find out the murder. It was a murder mystery, and uh, he's working the mortuary. Yeah, yeah, working in the mortuary, and uh, I was the suspect for a while, and and there was a, her her best friend was trying to point the finger at me, but then it turned out that her best friend was really, or the girl, the other girl, was really in love with her. But it was the 50s, and and women couldn't love women openly, and so sh that's one reason she murdered her her friend or fiance or whatever. That's my memory of it. I didn't love, I, I remember I didn't love my performance, because it was a, tr I don't know, it was just not my, and they greased my hair in a funny way. I didn't like the way I looked. <laughs> I don't know. But it was fun working with Scott. Um, you worked with him again later on Enterprise, did you? Scott? I worked so with him on Enterprise. I worked with him on Chuck. I worked with him a few times. So uh, you worked on three uh, tracks as director and actor. Yeah, so like, yeah. Uh, what was the different feeling, different sets? Or was it all kind of a, a similar um, I would say, no, they were all, they all had, excuse me, they all had um, similar they all had sort of a similar um, feeling because they were all Star Trek shows, and so there was a sense of some of the best things of Star Trek, the, the kind of family feel of the show was a part of every, every series. But I guess my, the highlights for me would be on, on Next Gen, there was a real sense of that show had done something very special. And I think the actors were aware of it. It had kind of revived Star Trek for the first time. You know, the, the original cast had made some movies, the show, the franchise had been kind of dormant for a while. And I think they realized they did something special. They were a part of something really special. And they were the first ones to do it, you know. It wasn't so just Star Trek though, it was also almost reviving sci-fi. Sci-fi, yep. they we were, have all sci-fi. Yeah, there wasn't much sci-fi out there, so they were, they were the only kids in town. They also were um, the most successful show on the Paramount lot, and they knew it because all the other TV shows at that time in the late '80s uh, that Paramount Studios was producing were failing, and the only thing on the lot that was keeping that facility going <laughs> was Star Trek. So there was a sense of kind of um, next gen. They kind of had some pride, you know. They had some, yeah. a little attitude, and and that's good. Like they deserved it. They were the show was uh, very important. Um, I think on our show. So the next show I did was Voyager. I think on that show. There was a little bit of nervousness, to be honest, early on because there was a female cast, and a lot of people did not know if that was going to be. Um, you know, um, accepted yeah, by the fans. It seems strange nowadays, but back yeah. in but the back 90s, then it was a big it yeah. was a big yeah. deal. Like people going, "How can you make a Star Trek show with a spaceship and a female captain?" You you know, and some people I remember going to conventions. Some people flat out said, which sounds crazy now, but literally said, "No, I'm not interested. It just doesn't feel like Star Trek with a female captain." Or they just it was a big deal. So I think there was a little sense. For us early on, of are, are we going to be the first Star Trek show that doesn't, you know, 
doesn't run for 70 years and isn't successful and and will a lot of it have to do with the fact that it just changed the franchise the model too much um, thank god a sci-fi show these days would never have to face that fight yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so sad isn't it still it's sad. yeah <laughs> yeah it's amazing how things in, you know incrementally improve but then you know two steps forward one step back kind of thing um yeah and then enterprise was enterprise in an odd way had a lot more confidence than they probably should have <laughs> that show that show you got on that set and they that had a sense of you know if our show was kind of nervous and uh, a bit insecure they were the, the other way i think they were very secure they thought not only would they run a long time but they were going to take over the movie franchises from next gen they had all these big plans I think as, and I think they had been fed this by the studio and and the producers, so they believed it, and uh, and I think they were all very surprised when that show struggled and and didn't um, you know didn't land with the fans, even as as successful. It's among the first shows that suffered though from the internet, where fans could immediately say. What they wanted was Enterprise. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is, maybe. Which you hadn't had before. Yeah, maybe. To such an extent. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it's very. Uh, the internet changed everything. There's a TV show, <laughs> just reminded me. Um, it's on National Geographic Channel in the states, but it's called. It's about the first internet companies like Netscape, and I can't remember the name of it, but I just read a review. This this show. It was all about the birth of the internet, this little limited series, and I'm dying to see it because, yeah, everything changed. I mean, I think when we started on Voyager in 94, I had just bought the first laptop that Apple made. I forget the name of it, but it was the first laptop. It was heavy and black and white, and um, but there was no internet. You just used your laptop. <laughs> like There was nothing to do with it. And then eventually, I think by the end of Voyager, there was dial-up and, you know, the dial-up, dial-up modem and begin doing email. Yeah, AOL was around by then. Yeah, AOL was around. But, yeah, so much changed in yeah. those seven years of Voyager. Well, I know you're dog tired from, from everything yeah, and we're being in the wrap-up, so if you just, just once more, just say Nicola how much you missed out. Just, just you missed out Nicola and then we'll wrap it up. What's her name? Nicola. Nicola, yeah. Nicola. Yeah. Nicola, you really missed out. This is the best party I've ever seen in my entire life. She said, I want to meet you. She's going to come with you. Thank you. <laughs>
apartment was smaller and I didn't have as much to do, but I could hear Courtney in the stairway. He'd get there two or three hours before each performance, and he would do that monologue over and over and over again. And in spite of that, I would say maybe once every week or two, he would get to that monologue in performance and forget. He would forget it, and he'd do his play. We did, I did it for a year with him. He probably, he probably did it about the same length. So in spite of all that, Courtney would get in the middle of this monologue with an audience out there and freeze up, and the other actors who were listening to this monologue would often have to kind of help prompt him back into the flow and such. So line memorization, even with super talented actors, can be very difficult. Um, some people are great at it. Some people can look at the line. You know, some actors would come in and not, not learn their lines. I mean, as a director, I see this all the time, actually. Actors coming in in the morning to rehearse a scene. And some of the actors have prepared, and they are already off book, off, you know, they don't need to look at the lines. And other actors are literally opening up the pages of the script going, what's this scene about? Like, they haven't looked at it. But those actors generally can learn, can memorize things very quickly. I couldn't do that, I, I could never do that. So it's, it, everybody's different. Um, Robert Beltran would write down little notes, you know, in, on the bridge. So when you see Robert Beltran looking like he's pushing buttons on the little console there, he had his lines written there. Um, Tim, Tim Russ would do the same thing on his, on the bridge. A lot of the actors, Garrett did it, I tried it, it was, again, I, I, better for me just to learn it. But they would tape their lines, you know, they'd literally tear the script pages out and tape it on the console, so, so it looked like they were <laughs> getting information. They were getting their lines, so. <laughs> I loved the movie The Wizard of Oz. I, I would watch that, that used to come on every springtime around Easter or so in, in the States. It was kind of a traditional movie around that time on television. I love The Wizard of Oz. Um, it's such a beautifully structured story, dramatically. Um, so many great life lessons, the way that each of the characters are sort of defined in such a clear and specific way, and Dorothy's journey looking for a place to belong is such a perfect hero's journey. I just love, I love the movie, I love the story. Um, I've often said to people that when I look at a script, I will sort of compare the journey of that script, that episode, for example, to like The Wizard of Oz. Like, what is the hero's journey? What does, for Chuck, let's say, or, or Janeway, let's use Janeway. If I'm looking at a script to direct, I might say, oh, how does Janeway get caught up in a tornado? And what is the yellow brick road she goes down here to learn her lessons? And when does she say, I want to go home? And all of that. It's a, the Wizard of Oz to me is, you know, is the best filmmaking lesson I ever had, and I love the story. So that's that's one that I love. Um, in terms of sci-fi and stuff, I loved uh, Lost in Space, the original series. I, as a kid, would watch. It came on in the afternoons when I got home from school. I think at four o'clock or something. So I would watch Lost in Space every day. And and also as a kid, another show that I loved was Space 1999, yeah. which was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which was short-lived, but if you guys are, oh, I, you know what I'm talking about. That, that was 
I love space and everything that I did. That one really, that got me. Um, my dad was a big Star Trek fan, so I remember he would watch the original series, all the reruns and things when I was growing up. Um, to be honest, I didn't get that excited about the original series as a kid. Space 1999 and Lost in Space were my, my sci-fi shows. Farscape seems like a, a very fantastic production for Australia particularly. Like I'd never seen anything like that coming out of Australia. Did it, had you before? Or, like, or was this something new and no. big and exciting? No, it was very exciting because uh, first of all it was a Jim Henson uh, show. So anything that those guys touch is magic. Uh, so it was very exciting to be part of that. And I do believe it made around the same as the Matrix trilogy, like there was that much money, time, energy, talent put into it. So anyone, that, anyone who was anyone in the Australian industry wanted to be involved with it. So it was very cool because uh, many amazing actors that I had been inspired by when I was growing up, I worked with them, they came on to Farscape and I was by that stage a regular, so it was very exciting teaching them how to work with Rigel or fly a spaceship or <laughs> pretty special. Yeah, because originally you were only meant to be in it for a few episodes, weren't you? And then, yeah. like, obviously as fans, and I was a huge fan, and we just loved you, so... <laughs> Thank you. It was all because it's all your fault. <laughs> Thank goodness. I, I just couldn't... I was blown away, you know. I, 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 the whole way that I found out was they just kept delivering scripts, and I honestly thought that they'd mucked it up, you know, <laughs> and I called my agent and I said, um, you know, I think that they want Chandler to carry on, and they went, no, 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 it's not, that, that's not the case, and I said, oh, they've just given me another script, and they went, oh, better give them a call then. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it sort of happened right until the end of season one, and then season two, I made the opening credits, I'm like, ha ha! Can't Frelling get rid of me now? Probably in Italy end, but... Did you have the most Australian agent in the world? Yeah, I'd better give him a ring then. Yeah, <laughs> better get them on the blower. <laughs> it's a fucking choice. And, like, you had a big makeup job for that. Like, uh, what was that like for so many years to have that to do? It was such a cool process to be part of because how often do you get to play it? A creature that has no rules, no limitations, like and fly spaceships. I was only like twenty something as well. Yeah. Uh, my very first few auditions, that I think there was about eight rounds of auditions, and I didn't know the show at all because they hadn't played it in Australia yet. So my first makeup test was so exciting. It's and what a beautiful look! Like she was just such a beautiful character to play. Yeah. And uh, you've recently gone into uh, a lot of fun productions, but it's like it, it sort of almost doesn't do it justice. Um, yeah, the uh, Star Trek continues. Yeah, it seems like such wonderfully uh, so much time, love, and talent's well, gone into it. So, because uh, I do lots of uh, the Comic Con, and yep. there's a, an amazing, it's an amazing melting pot of directors, writers, e editors, uh, you know, fans of this amazing industry, and with such a huge amount of talent. So now we're all joining forces with each other, literally, and creating projects like Star Trek Continues, like Hashtag, which we're doing the UK premiere for tomorrow. And I've, in all my talks, I, I constantly tell people, if you have a recording device or if you wanna uh, make something, this is a really great 
you know, a great community to do it in because we're so, we, we all have the same passion, you know, to tell great stories. So Star Trek Continues was a real blessing. Vic Mignano is a dear friend. He said, I know you, you've got a really crazy past. I'm going to write a script for you. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And they, he did, they did. And that's where that script came about. And uh, so it was a real treat to work with him. I have a that. question about uh, that episode. Um, when the creature first bursts into your room behind you, were you aware how forceful it was coming behind no. you? The look on your face <laughs> yes, looks no. like genuine... Oh, yes, and throwing rocks and stuff. Like, yeah. um, and we only had one go at it as well because obviously, you know, you can't keep rebuilding the wall. So it was very tense on set. And, it, and we were all very excited at how it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, you look genuinely surprised that yes. you got thrown across the room. I'm a big method actor, so any kind of real stuff that I can use, any, any, any real stimulus, I, I'm all up for it. And you've been a uh, trekkie yourself because, you know... I've been, my boyfriend actually is obsessed with Star Trek and he was the one because it was my first sort of fan run production and as you said it, does, it doesn't even do it justice because it was a whole nother level you know. Yeah. Uh, but sh uh, uh, Jed said you have to do this, it's Star Trek and that's all I'm going <laughs> to say. And then sure enough he ended up being, coming to set and they threw a red shirt on him and he was in the episode and I was like hmm. I see why you wanted me to do this. I see. <laughs> Star Wrangler, you. So, yeah, it was great. Lo loved every second of it. Well, you, you were putting on some, like, uh, your music earlier, and uh, oh, your yeah. own productions. Like, can you tell us a bit about that? And yeah. Make your own. So, whenever I have any time in between the big productions, I've been focused on uh, making my own things from my heart and soul because it's such a blessing to work with the big companies but it's even more rewarding doing something from scratch that you've created. Yeah, I know it's on the credits of Closer, you, the executive producer, you yeah, right, written like it. the whole yeah. shebang. Yeah. And I, I, I know a lot of people, like a lot of friends, I live in Hollywood, so every person that we know is in the industry. So I'm like, you know what, you're not doing anything right now, let's do a music video. <laughs> you're not doing anything right now, let's do a film. You're not doing, you know, it's really good. We're there to tell amazing stories, so let's join forces and do it. Was it fun to get made up the same? Because it, it, it has I wanted to go full robot, I wanted to go full cyborg, and my guy's like, no, never go full cyborg. <laughs> Like, it looked like you had uh, resemblances to Chana with uh, all the heavy makeup and yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do full prosthetics, but my guy was like, "You've got everything else covered. People need to feel connected with you." And I was like, oh, "Come on, let me go full cyborg." I love it because you so often hear these people. Like, I'm not necessarily all complaining, but it's like, "Oh, it's such work getting to the costume." You're Bring it more, on! More. Bring it on! I want to see a bit of my eyeball eye. coming out and singing the opposite direction. But. You mentioned hashtag before, and uh, also the uh, Jim Henson challenge. Would you, would you like to just tell us a bit about those? And uh... yeah, so I came over to shoot um, the Jim Henson Feature Shop challenge, and while we were waiting to see what was going on with it, I was approached by uh, the producer and director of Hashtag, and they uh, presented the script, and I just fell in love with it. And it was a Kickstarter. We raised over forty thousand dollars for wow. it. And uh, yeah, finally, we've, we've come to the UK to premiere it tomorrow, and I cannot wait. Can you keep us any details? Of course about? not, you have to come and watch. We will be. <laughs> 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 not a listening audience can, you know. But if people want to check it out, 
there's a teaser on my website, which is shishiedgley.com, my name.com, and there's also links to my social media there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm constantly doing uh, comic conventions and making new productions. So anything that they want to be updated on is always through that site. See, and it's a reminder to our listeners around the world, if you come to Sci-Fi Ball, you miss out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're very much looking forward to premiere tonight. Thank you very much for spending Thank some time with us. Thank you.
And we were we had just seen her on this really great uh, Farscape panel, um, and basically just had to go and tell her how great it was. And so we ended up talking about short films, and so yeah, that kind of one thing led to another. And we were talking about it a little bit yesterday. Is that uh, this circuit is so fantastic? It's literally how I've managed the last few awesome productions that I've worked on, and never been this fearful of approaching actors or writers or directors and, and being inspired by them or, or throwing you know your ideas or scripts or thoughts at, at them because for me personally it's been the best thing in my life. Great. Um, so from the script that you presented from, um, how did that evolve into the book then? Uh, so, um, so the script was actually, um, X was male um, and had been for years actually. Sorry. 
hope that mine is not the same as this now or stories that you've already heard many times before. So I was really desperately praying that to God the Bible that this would happen. And it did. So it's a very formal decision. Thank you, Bible.
And that's about all for this week from Gallifrey Stands and Retrek. 
uh, it's been a wonderful little crossover event. We hope our, our Gallifrey Sands listeners have enjoyed a bit of a step into the uh, Star Trek side. Yeah. And, uh, and please... I hope our Star Trek listeners are enjoying a bit of old bit tuning into Gallifrey Sands and listen to about Doctor Who. Thank you very much. Like, the, the, so, you know, you have, again, like, sorry for any uh, retrack loyal listeners for for trying over ground, you know, but tell them all about uh, where they can find uh, retrack and what you're up to at the moment with the show. Uh, well, next week we'll be back with Discovery again. Obviously, so you're doing weekly episodes. We're doing weekly episodes. We're doing weekly episodes. Obviously, this week has been a special. So next week we'll have a a catch up of the two episodes. We'll have to. So yeah, basically you're doing weekly. Uh, weekly, we episode, do one episode a week, but yep. we're going to have to cram two episodes in with a catch up. But I think everyone can agree it's been well worth missing on your discovery updates for one week for the amazing interviews we brought you. Yeah, and uh, you can find both of these fantastic shows, whichever one you're listening to, check the other one out. We're on Krypton Radio, and just uh, type in Retrek or Gallifrey Stands into your podcatcher, and you will find us both. Um, so Elliot it's been a pleasure uh, thanks for coming down and being my co-host uh, yeah thank you for inviting me down and it's been a great weekend and uh, James will be back with you next week uh, yeah, yeah. thank you James for allowing me to hijack your show <laughs> for a week but you know I said it so you know he might still be jealous <laughs> next week <laughs> yeah, I, I love you James um, I, I hope you enjoyed this week's show I've been Dr. Spree with me has been Admiral Elliot and Dottie Hugh and for this week uh, Gallifrey Treks this has been Retrek on Krypton Radio and, of course, available on your podcatcher of choice. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod and we're also on Gmail, RetrekPod at gmail.com or you can look us up on Facebook, just search for the Retrek group and you're more than welcome to join. Thank you for trekking with us this week. We will see you next time for the Retrek. Fascinating.